Chapter 7. Polygamy. What kind of motivations could a man have to wed many women? By some estimates, Joseph Smith married up to 52 women from a growing group of people that intensely admired him and that he held great influence over. For unspecified reasons, his polygamy is never addressed in the church education system. Yet, when studied in detail, problems appear concerning the timeline that Joseph began this practice. The secretive nature with subsequent denial and the types of women married. The Timeline An issue arises when we compare the date of the revelation to begin polygamy and the dates of Joseph's marriages. The heading to the Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, states that this revelation was recorded on July 12, 1843, yet Fanny Alger became Joseph's first plural marriage after Emma in 1833, ten years before the revelation. At the time, Fanny was living in the Smith home, helping Emma with housework and the children. A family friend and one of Brigham Young's plural wives recalls, Mrs. Smith had an adopted daughter, a very pretty, pleasing young girl, about 17 years old. She was extremely fond of her. No mother could be more devoted, and their affection for each other was a constant object of remark, so absorbing and genuine did it seem. Consequently, it was with a shocked surprise that the people heard that Sister Emma had turned Fanny out of the house in the night. By degrees, it became whispered about that Joseph's love for his adopted daughter was by no means a paternal affection, and his wife, discovering the fact, at once took measures to place the girl beyond his reach. Since Emma refused decidedly to allow her to remain in her house, my mother offered to take her until she could be sent to her relatives. Anne Eliza Webb Young. Oliver Cowdery also addresses this situation when he noted his extreme displeasure regarding Joseph's conduct with Fanny Alger while married to Emma. In a letter to his brother Warren A. Cowdery, Oliver wrote, We had some conversation in which, in every instance, I did not fail to affirm that what I had said was strictly true. A dirty, nasty, filthy affair of his and Fanny Alger's was talked over, in which I strictly declared that I had never deserted from the truth in that matter, and as I suppose was admitted by himself. Oliver Cowdery Even with Oliver's important role in the formation of the church, Joseph could not allow his affairs to become public. The issue of polygamy divided Oliver and Joseph so wide that Joseph turned Oliver out of the church after his unceasing disapproval of this practice. Secrets and Denial Additional marriages were kept secret, and when word began to spread, Joseph turned to outright denial. Emily and Eliza Partridge were the daughters of the first bishop of the church, Edward Partridge. When he passed away, his daughters, Emily, aged 16, and Eliza, aged 20, sought work as maids to help support their family. Emily recalls, The first door that opened for us was to go to Smith's, which we accepted. I was a nurse girl, for they had a young baby. Joseph and Emma were very kind to us. They were almost like a father and mother, and I loved Emma and the children. The prophet Joseph and his wife Emma offered us a home in their family. We had been there about a year when the principle of plural marriage was made known to us. And I was married to Joseph Smith on the 4th of March, 1843, Elder Heber C. Kimball performing the ceremony. My sister Eliza was also married to Joseph a few days later. This was done without the knowledge of Emma Smith. Two months afterward, she consented to give her husband two wives, providing he would give her the privilege of choosing them. 
She accordingly chose my sister Eliza and myself, and to save family trouble, Brother Joseph thought it best to have another ceremony performed. Accordingly, on the 11th of May, 1843, we were sealed to Joseph Smith a second time in Emma's presence. From that very hour, however, Emma was our bitter enemy. We remained in the family several months after this, but things went from bad to worse until we were obligated to leave the house and find another home. Emily Partridge. Sarah Ann Whitney. Joseph sought to add 17-year-old Sarah to his growing collection of wives. Joseph penned a letter divulging his feelings for her. My feelings are so strong for you since what has passed lately between us, it seems as if I could not live long in this way. And if you three would come and see me, it would afford me great relief. I know it is the will of God that you should comfort me now in this time of affliction. The only thing to be careful of is to find out when Emma comes, then you cannot be safe. But when she is not here, there is the most perfect safety. Burn this letter as soon as you read it. Keep all locked up in your breasts. You will pardon me for my earnestness on this subject when you consider how lonesome I must be. I think Emma won't come tonight if she don't, don't fail to come tonight. Joseph Smith Joseph had to convince her parents to allow the secret marriage. There had to be compensation. Six weeks after this secret sealing, Joseph deeded to Sarah a lot of land only one block from his home. It was rare for a woman to own land in Nauvoo, especially a woman as young as Sarah. A large issue soon arose. As a secret bride of the Prophet, she was not available for courtship any longer. Appearing single while refusing suitors was bound to raise suspicions. Joseph decided to arrange a civil marriage between Sarah and recent widower Joseph C. Kingsbury. This would make it seem as though Sarah was no longer available. Joseph Smith officiated over what Kingsbury later called a, quote, pretended marriage, end quote, between him and Sarah the following month. On the 29th of April, 1843, I, according to President Joseph Smith, agreed to stand by Sarah Ann Whitney as supposed to be her husband and had a pretended marriage. Joseph C. Kingsbury. The 1835 Statement on Marriage. While still before the official revelation in 1843, an early edition of the Doctrine and Covenants reprints a statement by Joseph Smith addressing the public's concern with his illegal practice of polygamy. Statement on Marriage, August 17, 1835. Inasmuch as this Church of Christ has been reproached with the crime of fornication and polygamy, we declare that we believe that one man should have one wife and one woman but one husband, except in case of death, when either is at liberty to marry again. Joseph Smith This passage has since been removed from later editions of the Doctrine and Covenants. Why would Joseph mention that the church was accused of the crime of polygamy in 1835, when supposedly God didn't reveal this practice until 1843? Probably because by the time that section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants was written, Joseph had wed 29 women by his own desire. The 1844 Statement on Marriage As late as 1844, Joseph continued to deny his involvement in polygamy, despite having well over 30 wives by this point. I had not been married scarcely five minutes and made one proclamation of the gospel before it was reported that I had seven wives. I wish the grand jury would tell me who they are, whether it will be a curse or blessing to me. I am quite tired of the fools asking me. 
What a thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when I can only find one. I am the same man and as innocent as I was fourteen years ago, and I can prove them all perjurers. Joseph Smith The Women Due to the secretive nature of Joseph's affairs, the total number of wives Joseph took is unclear. Written records, primary accounts, and second-hand accounts puts the number between 29 and 52 women. Most disturbing was the fact that many of these women were already married, much younger and related to each other. First, married women. Records show at least 13 women were married to other men at the time Joseph took them for his wives. He sent several men on missions for the church, then married their wives, or married their wives in secret and then sent the husbands on missions afterwards. Some of these married women include Marinda Nancy Johnson Hyde Smith. In September 1831, Joseph and Emma Smith moved in with the Johnson family, while Joseph and Sidney Rigdon worked on translating the Bible. While staying with the Johnsons in March 1832, Joseph Smith was dragged out by a mob and tarred and feathered. Marinda's brother, Eli, led the mob because he felt that Joseph had been too intimate with Marinda. Soon, Marinda married Apostle Orson Hyde. On April 6, 1840, Orson was sent on a three-year mission to Jerusalem. Shortly after his departure, Joseph married his wife, Nancy Marinda Johnson Hyde, while Orson was gone. In Joseph Smith's journal, in a list of his marriages, he wrote, quote, April 42, Marinda Johnson to Joseph Smith, end quote. Later, Orson and Marinda separated. Zina Diantha Huntington Jacob Smith Young Zina was 18 when her mother died and after went to live in the Smith's home. Soon, she met Joseph's friend, Henry Jacobs. Joseph was to officiate their wedding but never showed. Instead, Bishop John C. Bennett performed the marriage. Later, Zina asked Joseph why he didn't show. He told her it had been made known unto him that she was to be his celestial wife, and he could not give to another one who had been given to him. Henry Jacobs During Henry and Zina's marriage, Joseph called Henry on eight missions. At one point, Joseph sent a message to Zina through her brother Dimmick. It read, Tell Zina I have put it off and put it off until an angel with a drawn sword has stood before me and told me if I did not establish that principle and live it, I would lose my position and my life and the church could progress no further. Joseph Smith After four proposals and pressured with the responsibility for the life of the prophet, Zina finally accepted. After Joseph's death, Brigham Young called Henry to serve his ninth mission and told him to find another wife when he returns. While Henry was away, Brigham married Zina and moved her into his home to live with his other wives. Soon, she bore a child with Brigham. Violet Kimball Shortly after Heber's return from England, he was introduced to the doctrine of plural marriage directly through a startling test. He had already sacrificed homes, possessions, friends, relatives, all worldly rewards, peace and tranquility for the restoration. Nothing was left to place on the altar save his life, his children, and his wife. Then came the Abrahamic test. Joseph demanded for himself what to Heber was the unthinkable, his valet. Totally crushed spiritually and emotionally, Heber touched neither food nor water for three days and three nights, 
and continually sought confirmation and comfort from God. On the evening of the third day, some kind of assurance came, and Heber took Valate to the upper room of Joseph's store on Water Street. The prophet wept at this act of faith, devotion, and obedience. Joseph never intended to take Valate. It was all a test. Stanley B. Kimball The second type of women Joseph sought for his wives were teenagers. Ten of Joseph's wives ranged between 14 and 19 years old when he was between 29 and 37 years old. Helen Marr Kimball Smith Instead of taking Heber C. Kimball's wife, Violet, as Joseph had done with others, he married Heber's 14-year-old daughter, Helen, in May of 1843. The church confirms this fact in the essay Plural Marriage in Kirtland and Nauvoo, when it states that the youngest was Helen Marr Kimball, daughter of Joseph's close friends Heber C. and Violet Murray Kimball, who was sealed to Joseph several months before her 15th birthday. My father asked me if I would believe him if he told me that it was right for married men to take other wives. My sensibilities were painfully touched, for to mention such a thing to me, I thought altogether unworthy of my father. And as quick as he spoke, I replied to him short and emphatically, No, I wouldn't. But having a great desire to be connected with the Prophet Joseph, my father offered me to him. My father had but one ewe lamb, and willingly laid me upon the altar. How cruel this seemed to my mother, whose heartstrings were already stretched until they were ready to snap asunder. Then father asked me if I would be sealed to Joseph and left me to reflect upon it for the next 24 hours. Joseph then came to me and said that if I will take this step, it will ensure my eternal salvation and that of my father's household and all of our kindred. His promise was so great that I willingly gave myself to purchase so glorious a reward. None but God and his angels could see my mother's bleeding heart when Joseph asked her if she was willing. She replied, If Helen is willing, I have nothing more to say. She had witnessed the sufferings of others who were older and who better understood the step they were taking. To see her child, who had yet seen her 15th summer, follow the same thorny path of polygamy, in her mind she saw the misery which was as sure to come as the sun was to rise. I would never have been sealed to Joseph had I known it was anything more than ceremony. I was young, and they deceived me by saying the salvation of our whole family depended on it. Helen Marr Kimball Joseph told a reluctant 14-year-old Helen that if she married him, it would ensure salvation for all her family. Imagine the emotional burden on a 14-year-old girl's emotions of the salvation for her entire family riding on accepting Joseph's proposal. Nancy Winchester Smith while records show Nancy was married to Joseph, no dates were written. At the time of Joseph's death, Nancy was 15 years old. It is possible that, like Helen Mark Kimball, Nancy could have been 14. Unlike what is commonly taught in Sunday school lessons, marriages to young teenagers were not common in pioneer days. In 1890, when the U.S. Census Bureau started collecting marriage data, it was recorded that the average age of a first marriage for men was 26 years and the average age of a marriage for women was 22 years. The third type of women was pairs of sisters. Joseph married three pairs of sisters, Emily Dow Partridge and Eliza Maria Partridge, Sarah Lawrence and Maria Lawrence, and Zina Huntington Jacobs and Presenia Huntington Buell. The fourth type was a mother and daughter pair, 
Patty Bartlett Sessions was the mother, who was already married to David Sessions, and her daughter, Sylvia Sessions Lyon, who was already married to Windsor Lyon. Sylvia bore children with both husbands. The Outcome Polygamy upset many of the early leaders of the church, including second counselor in the First Presidency, William Law. Joseph Smith excommunicated William for protesting his attempt to start a romantic relationship with William's wife, Jane. Smith made his visit to his wife in the middle of the night when he knew her husband to be absent. Joseph had asked her to give him half her love. She was at liberty to keep the other half for her husband, Anne Eliza Webb Young. After his excommunication, William spoke out against Joseph's practice of taking secret wives while Joseph continued to publicly imply that he had only one wife. William Law then started a newspaper called The Nauvoo Expositor. In print, he spoke of the polygamous affairs of Joseph Smith. This led to an emergency session of the Nauvoo City Council, of which Joseph was mayor. In this session, Joseph ordered the printing press to be destroyed. To the marshal of said city, greeting. You are here commanded to destroy the printing press from whence issues the Nauvoo Expositor, and pile the type of said printing establishment in the street, and burn all the expositors and libelous handbills found in said establishment. And if resistance be offered to your execution of this order by the owners or others, demolish the house. And if anyone threatens you or the mayor or the officers of the city, arrest those who threaten you, and fail not to execute this order without delay, and make due return hereon. By order of the city council, Joseph Smith, Mayor. In his book, Carthage Conspiracy, Elder Dallin H. Oaks recounts the events of Joseph's executive order. Joseph Smith? Acting as mayor, ordered the city marshal to destroy the newspaper and press without delay, and instructed the major general of the Nauvoo Legion to have the militia assist. Dallin H. Oaks Chief of Police, Jonathan Dunham and City Marshal John Green, leading the mob of over 200 saints armed with muskets, knives, pistols, converged on William Law's brick office. They broke open the door with a sledgehammer and found Chauncey Higby and Charles Foster inside the building. Higby and Foster put up no resistance as Joseph's men trashed the interior of the newly built building. They tumbled the press and materials into the street and set fire to them and demolished the machinery with a sledgehammer and injured the building very materially. We made no resistance, but looked on and felt revenge. But leave it for the public to avenge this climax of insult and injury. Charles Foster. After destroying William Law's $2,000 letterpress, the mob of saints tossed the entire contents of William's office into the street and set it on fire. The mob then made their way to Joseph's home to report their actions. About 8 p.m., the marshal returned and reported that he had removed the press type, printed paper, and fixtures into the street and destroyed them. The posse, accompanied by some hundreds of the citizens, returned with the marshal to the front of the mansion when I gave them a short address and told them they had done right. I then blessed them in the name of the Lord. This speech was loudly greeted by the assembly with three times cheers. The posse and assembly then dispersed all in good order. Joseph Smith William Law was in the city of Carthage at the time and later wrote, that he did not believe what he heard until he rode his horse to Nauvoo and, quote, rode over our type and broken furniture, end quote. 
Governor Ford wrote Smith on the next day, denouncing the city's proceedings as unlawful and demanding that those involved in the move against the expositor submit to the processes of the law at Carthage. Dallin H. Oaks The result of his actions put Joseph Smith in prison for the last time. Context Members have been taught that the times Joseph Smith spent incarcerated in jails were because Satan stirred up the hearts of men to falsely imprison him. Yet, nothing is ever said of the actual crimes committed by Joseph and his followers. Joseph's increasingly public acts of illegal polygamy, combined with the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor and rising tensions between the Nauvoo Militia and the state of Illinois, caused his last incarceration. The actions of Joseph Smith raise several troubling concerns. Why would the prophet begin taking wives ten years before receiving the official revelation? Why did he send men on missions and marry their wives? Why did he marry girls as young as 14 when he was nearly 40? Why would his closest friends take such great issue with his actions? Why does Joseph try to hide these actions from his wife, Emma? And why did he react so violently to those that tried to make his actions public? Does polygamy seem to be truly ordained of God?